All right. Uh, we are glad that you're here. We are in the, we have completed the first week. Uh, this is day seven of our 21-day uh, journey in, uh, into prayer and fasting, and I hope that uh, you have benefited from that. Uh, we've got two more weeks to go. Uh, we encourage you to be a part of it. It's not too late to be a part of it. You can text uh, 21 days uh, to the number on your screen, that be on your screen. Uh, we'll join you in that journey, and we'll participate with you uh, as uh, we ask God to do something in our lives as we surrender to uh, fasting in prayer. And so with that in mind, we are learning how to pray. Jesus is teaching us from the Sermon on the Mount how to pray uh, by giving us his prayer that we find in Matthew chapter 6. So if you'll stand with me, uh, I want us to read this prayer out loud together, and then we'll unpack what Jesus is teaching us in this prayer. Let's begin together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We'll wait for the, we'll wait for the screen to come up. There we go. Okay, let's begin again. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Okay, so we are, we are learning how uh, to pray uh, from, uh, from this particular prayer. Jesus is not giving us the words to say. He's giving us the model to follow as we learn how to talk to God. And last week, we learned how to start our prayers by, uh, with these words, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Well, last week, we learned that you've got to know who you're talking to, and you've got to know who's talking. Our Father, our God is in heaven. Uh, you are not. Our God is holy. Your God is holy. You are not. God is the answer to all prayer. You are not. God is good. You are not. God is in control. You are not. God is all-powerful. You are not. God is all-loving. You find it hard to love. God is, is forgiving. Sometimes you don't want to forgive. God is all-wise, and you're an idiot. Well, maybe I should just talk about myself. Uh, we don't always, we don't always know what to do. If I would just learn to talk to my father before I decide to do something on my own, I would save myself so much time and trouble. Right. So I need to pray, our, my father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to talk about misconceptions of prayer. We're going to talk about things that we, we misunderstand about God and prayer and how the, how the will of God operates in the prayers of man. Uh, all of these things that come out of this particular phrase. And here's one of our first problems is thinking that prayer, uh, the purpose of prayer is simply to get stuff from our Father. I mean, why else would you pray if you didn't want something from? In fact, Jesus tells us in this prayer uh, to ask for stuff. Prayer is telling, uh, this prayer is telling us to ask for stuff. But friends, here's the thing that we need to understand. If all prayer is to you uh, is a laundry list of wants and desires, you not only miss the point of prayer, you, you miss the power of prayer. You miss what God wants to do in prayer. Parents, you know this. I mean, doesn't it, doesn't it get weary for you sometimes? I mean, you love your kids and you want to be good to your kids, but uh, you, you do anything for them. And by the way, if you haven't watched the devotional for today, if it's day seven, thank you, Cheryl, for, for sharing your thoughts. It's, awesome. it's about children. Uh, but parents, when you feel like you're nothing more than a vending machine for your 
child's wants and desires. But you just want more than that, right? You want more for them. You want more from them. Our Father in heaven, the God of the universe, has given us the gift. He's given us the opportunity, the privilege, the freedom to come into his presence, the freedom to commune with him, to have a relationship with him. And Jesus taught us last week, if we don't get this, this part of the, the first part of the prayer right, none of the, none of the rest of the prayer is going to work, is going to mean anything. What does Jesus mean when he teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? What are we to learn from this? You'll, you, you'll remember Jesus in the garden hours before the crucifixion. He knows what's coming and he's so stressed. The Bible says this and you can actually do this. It's medically proven. Jesus sweat drops, sweat was, uh, blood was coming out of his pores. He sweat drops of blood. That's how burdened and stressed he was over the cross. And he prayed. He went to his father in heaven and said, is there any other way to accomplish your plan or accomplish your will? And you've been there. You've been in places in your life where you're just completely overwhelmed by the circumstances of life. You're wondering how you're going to get through this or how you're going to handle this. Well, how am I going to do this? Jesus, get this, Jesus was he asked for what he wanted. He went to his father and he prayed uh, to his father for what he wanted, but he ended his prayer, even though he expressed his desire, he ended his prayer with these words, and you're familiar with them. Nevertheless, Matthew chapter 26, nevertheless, not as I will, but what? As you will. In other words, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Understand, Jesus is teaching us uh, to pray for what we want in this prayer, but he's also teaching us to trust God for what we get. Father, this is what I want from you, but I will take what I get from you, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will. Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, if you ask anything according to my will, you will have what you ask for. What's the secret to answered prayer? I've said this before in other sermons. God will always give you what you want when you want what God wants for you. The Bible says it elsewhere, uh, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. How do you get the desires of your heart? You align those desires with the desires of God. God will always give you what you want when you want what he wants for you. And so the more you get to know your father in heaven, the more in line or the more aligned uh, your prayers are with the will of God, the desires of God, and the more answers you receive from God. Uh, that, that's, that's another problem, isn't it? First, first, I, first, I want things that God doesn't want for me. God is good and I am not. And so I want things that are not good for me. That's the first problem. The second problem is I don't always, I don't always know what I want. Anybody here uh, with me on that? How many, how many of you are, are easily overwhelmed by all the options and choices you have in life? You know, ask my wife. We go to a restaurant, I just simply implode because I'm so afraid that I'm going to pick the wrong thing. Case in point, Cheesecake Factory. That's wrong on so many levels. You know, it's, they, get, they hand you an encyclopedia of food options, and then they expect you to choose in a matter of moments. It, the, the menu is like 400 pages. Seriously, how many pasta dishes do you need? How many, they're noodles. How many, how many pasta variations does the world actually need to operate and thrive on? Go to Ace Hardware. How many, how many paint choices, how many shades of blue 
does, does one person actually, seriously, people, just pick blue, right? I mean, it, it can be so stressful. And so that life has so many options and choices have consequences. And so we just get so overwhelmed by making the right choice or knowing what to do. And so you go to your father and you say, well, I think, I think this job, but I'm not sure about that job. And so I'm not sure what job. And this house, I, should I buy this house or that house? Should I date this person? Should I marry that person? And so, and so Father, I'm going to talk to you before I do anything about this, because when I do things on my own, I tend to mess things up, right? And so, Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's talk about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is the rule of God. The kingdom of God is where God is king, where he is the ultimate, absolute authority. Uh, so here's, here's the thing. Again, Jesus said, uh, you know, before you pray about anything, before you ask for anything, before you tell God you want or need anything, you need to place yourself within the rule, under the rule and the reign of the king, under the, under the kingship of God. In this same prayer, or excuse me, in this same sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, when we get to this prayer, uh, before we get to this prayer, uh, Jesus says uh, to seek first the kingdom of God. Actually, it's after this prayer. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. He's telling us uh, that in the context of wanting things or needing things, you need to pray uh, to your Father, thy kingdom come, your kingdom come, your will be done. Uh, your father knows what you need. Your father actually knows what you want. So seek first the kingdom of God. And when your desires align, align with the kingdom of God, then all of these things, all of these things that you need, all these things that you desire, all of the things that you want will be given to you. Why? Because your wants and desires are now in line with the desires of God. The key to getting what you want is wanting what God wants for you. Your kingdom come. Align my heart with the heart of the king, align my desires with the, with the purpose of the kingdom. Rule in my heart so that I want what you want. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Another problem that we have pr uh, with prayer is that does it, does it really work? Does prayer really matter? Does it matter that I go to God and ask him for what I need or for what I want? Does it make a difference in what God is going to do on earth or in my life. Friends, this is a fundamental struggle, understanding the character of God and how that plays into our prayers, understanding the rule of God when it comes to us praying to him. This is the heart of, of this passage. And so bear with me because I'm gonna unpack a couple of theological things that I think that are really important for us to understand uh, the, the purpose and the, and the practicality of of prayer and the character and the will of God. So two, two things. First of all, the, the Bible tells us that God is sovereign. You've heard that, that, that term, that phrase. It's a combination of two words, reign, which means rule and authority, and sov, S-O-V, that is a prefix meaning supreme. So God is the supreme ruler. He is the ultimate authority. What does that mean? What does it mean to, for God to have the ultimate rule in this world? Well, here's what it does not mean. It does not mean that God does whatever he wants. That God does whatever he wants. Now, stick with me here because here, here's the story, friends. God placed Adam and Eve in the garden. You'll remember he created Adam and Eve in his image, gave, gave them the earth. They gave, he gave them dominion, authority 
over creation. He gave them dominion. Dominion is kingdom. Kingdom implies a dominion. So Adam and Eve had a dominion, a a stewardship over creation. We know, though, that Satan came in and tempted them uh, to pride. And when they gave into that temptation, when they sinned, when they rebelled against God, they surrendered their dominion to the one who tempted them. Satan took their dominion. We looked at this last week. Satan is the prince of this world, the ruler over the dominions of man, the kingdoms of this world. Jesus comes in the gospels to destroy the dominion of Satan. Victory has been declared at the cross. But until Jesus returns, you and I, I mean, we are locked in this cosmic battle that we call spiritual warfare and we're involved in this, this, this battle until the supreme ruler, the sovereign God, comes back and takes back everything that Satan stole, okay? So we are now waiting for the day. Right now, we're, we are in this cosmic battle, waiting for the day, as Revelation explains, for the kingdoms of this world to become the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All the more reason to pray, thy kingdom come, your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's talk about the will of God. What's the the will of God? What what is a will? Uh, A will is a desire or an intention. Uh, You have a will. You You want to accomplish something. You want to attain or acquire something. God has a will. You have a will. God has a desire. He has an intention for this world. And he has an intention. He has a will for your life. But guess what? So do you. You have a will for your life. You exercise that. We call it free will. You exercise that will every day. And sometimes... Those two wills, the will of God for your life and your will for your life, well, just let let me ask parents, has has your will for your child and the will of your child ever come in conflict? Uh, Don't get you started, right? We're we're locked in this this battle of kingdoms. When When Adam and Eve exercised their will, it placed them in direct opposition and rebellion against the will of God. Of God. Now, friends, understand this. It it was never God's will. It was never God's desire for Adam to sin. It was never God's will for this world to be broken by sin. This is important for us to understand, friends, because God gets blamed for a lot of things he does not do. God gets assigned a lot of bad stuff that is not his responsibility. Look at James chapter 1. It says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? Above. Everything good comes from above. God is the author of good. There is nothing in God that is not good. Nothing in God that is not good. So it it was never God's will for people to be broken by sin. It's never God's desire for someone to get cancer. Child abuse is never God's will. Drug addiction is never something that God intends for people. Divorce is never God's will. That's why we take so much comfort in in Romans 8.28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together, the good and the bad, for those who are called according to his purpose. This verse tells us that not all things are good. Therefore, not all things are from God. But the promise in this verse is that it is God's intention. It is God's will because God is the supreme ruler and he can do this. He can take whatever the prince of this world stole from you, broke in you. He can take whatever mess you created by your own rebellion. He can take all of those things and conform it to his ultimate plan, which is to glorify him and benefit you. Not everything good comes from 
not, not everything good comes from God. And if it's not good, it didn't come from God. But that doesn't mean that God can't will it to glorify him and benefit you. So what does it mean that God is sovereign? It doesn't mean that God does whatever he wants. It means that God does whatever he wills to do. That's the sovereignty of God. Sometimes we misunderstand the sovereignty of God. That's the first thing. Sometimes, secondly, we, we misunderstand the immutability of God. The Bible tells us that God is immutable. The word mutable means change. So you put the I am in front of the word and it means unchanging or it means impossible to change. God does not change. Let's look at James 1.7 again. Every good thing comes from God with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God does not change. So this again raises the question, if he never changes, why pray? What effect does my prayer have on a God who never changes? Does prayer really change what God does? Well, we just talked about the sovereignty of God. Friends, that's what God does. Sovereignty doesn't mean that he does whatever he wants. It means that he does whatever he, he will. Sovereignty speaks to the authority, the behavior of God. Immutability speaks to the character of God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That doesn't speak to what God does. It speaks to who God is. God never changes who he is. Again, James 1, God is good. God is always good. He will never not be good. He cannot not be good. He cannot compromise or change his character. He cannot deny his character. There's no variation in his character. There's no shadow of change in his character. He's holy, righteous, just, and good, and he's always that. There's nothing in God that is not good. So here's the deal. We don't always know what God is going to do but you can be sure that whatever he does is holy, right, and good. And he can take whatever we do and work it into good. So, so when you pray, friends, prayer will never change who God is. But we can see throughout Scripture that prayer changed what God did. You might want to write this down if you're taking notes. God changes toward you when you change toward him. God changes toward you when you change toward him. God desires, God wills that no one perish, but that everyone come to repentance. The word repentance basically means to change, to change your mind that ultimately leads to change of behavior. You change, and when you change toward God, God changes toward you. You'll remember the story of Jonah. Remember uh, Jonah? God sent Jonah through, through some mishaps of his own exercise of free will, right? Jonah made some, some choices of his own, which caused him some problems. But he ended up in Nineveh. God sent him to Nineveh with this message, in 40 days, I'm going to destroy this city because of its wickedness. That was God's intention. That was God's will. So Jonah goes to Nineveh with this message. God is going to destroy you in 40 days because, because you're wicked, because you have not repented. And so Jonah expects God to do what God said he was going to do, destroy the city. Only one slight problem the Ninevites repented. <laughs> Friends, it did not change God's character. It did change what God did. They changed. So God changed what he did. He, he spared them. And Jonah actually got upset because <laughs> he didn't understand this because God changed. But, but get this, God changed what he did because God is unchanging in who he is. He is immutable. 
God is holy. God is righteous. God is just. And God is good. God is faithful to his character. He is, friends, he is not unpredictable. He is totally predictable. He is a God you can trust. Why? Because he will always, he will always punish the rebellious and those who reject him. And he will always, friends, he will always forgive the repentant and those who seek him. He always does that. Why? Because he is immutable. You can always trust God to be God. Sovereignty doesn't mean that God does whatever he wants because he wants to save you. But if you reject him, he cannot deny his character, his holiness. You understand that? And this is important. You can't take the attitude that, yeah, God is love, so I can do whatever he wants because in the end, he'll, he'll let it go. You can't do that because that's not his character. You can do what you want. But God wants to save you, and his will is to save you. But if you exercise your free will to reject him, he cannot accept someone who rejects him. He cannot save someone who doesn't want to be saved because that would compromise his character, which is immutable. So your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. First things first, our Father in heaven, you are God, I am not. You are good, I am not. You are wise, I am not. You are sovereign, I am not. You do not change, I am all over the map. I can always trust you to be who you are but I don't even understand myself. I don't always know what I want. I don't even understand what I need. So Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. Align my desires with your desires. Align my wants with what you want for me. You see, prayer puts you in a position. It humbles you. It creates an awareness in you that you are not in charge. And so that awareness shapes your heart and it transforms your mind and it aligns your will with the will of God. God is sovereign. God is immutable. One more thing, friends. God, God is good. His character is goodness. He wants to be good to you. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you good things. Everything good comes from him. He wants you to have those good things, but sometimes you don't get those good. Sometimes you don't get those good things, right? God wants to bless you, but sometimes God doesn't bless you. Why is that? Why doesn't the good always come to you? Well, it's just because of what we just talked about. You have a will. And sometimes your will comes in conflict with the will of your father. You have a kingdom that comes in conflict with the kingdom of God. And when you're living in your own kingdom, it prohibits the kingdom of God to bless your life. So in prayer, you're surrendering your kingdom to the kingdom of God. God is sovereign. God is immutable. He doesn't do whatever he wants, but he does whatever he wills, and whatever he wills is good. So your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One last point, friends. There's two different sides to God's will. There's a conditional side, and there's an unconditional side. There's a, there's a condition, God has a conditional will, and God has an un, unconditional will. What do I mean, friends? This is, this is his sovereignty. His unconditional will is where he determines what will happen irrespective of what anyone else does. You've done things against the will of God, and yet his will overpowers that. And in fact, he uses that to accomplish his ultimate will. It doesn't matter what you and I do. He's going to do his thing. He's going to get it done. And sometimes he will use what you do to get it done because God does what he wills to do. That's his unconditional will. But there's another side. God has a conditional will that is different. God is immutable. 
He can't change his character, but he does change his behavior. So this is where prayer comes in. Listen to this. This is very important to understand how to pray. There are things that God desires to do. There are things God wants to do. There are things that God chooses not to do until you ask him to do it. You understand that? Unless there is human cooperation, unless there is prayer, unless we go to him like a father who desires to give good gifts to his children, unless we go to him and ask him for those good things, we, we will not receive many of those good things simply because we've not asked him for those good things. I want you to go back to James chapter 1. Every good and perfect gift is from above. But if three chapters later in chapter four, it says you do not have because you do not ask. Everything good comes from God, but you don't have those good things because you don't ask. So you ask, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is teaching us that there are times when, only, when the only thing that brings eternity into time, the only thing that brings God's will to bear in your life, the only time that every good and perfect gift becomes yours to enjoy is when you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Friends, you don't always know what the will of God is for you, whether it's conditional or unconditional. God is not obligated to explain that to us. But friends, you can always know that God wants what is good and God wills what is good. And when we ask for his rule and reign to operate in our lives, friends, God wills for the pleasures of heaven to invade the sufferings of man, to invade the brokenness of the world. God wills all good things. But sometimes we are barred from those good things. That's, that's why Paul tells us to keep praying, to never stop praying, to pray about all things, to pray, about, pray at all times because you never know when your prayer will open the floodgates of heaven and cause God to work in your life. Let's go back to Romans chapter eight for just a second and then we'll close. Many of you are familiar with it. You've, you can recite it from memory. You've got, chap, you've got verse 28 down, good. The problem is, you're not quite aware of what comes next in verse 29. Verse 28 says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. They work together for good. Now, don't, don't, don't miss this. This is a conditional promise based on the will of God. It is God's will to use whatever it is that happens in this life for good, the things that God wills, the things that he does not will, conditional, uncon the perfect gifts he wants to give you and all the, all the things that the enemy has stolen from you, all the things that you've broken on your own, all, he takes all of those things and works them together for good. But the question is, what, what is good? Because we don't always know what's good. We don't always will the good. We don't always want the good. We don't even know what the good is. So our Father in heaven, who is holy, right, righteous, and merciful, and good, What's your will for me? What is good for me? Well, verse 29 answers that question. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. The word predestined means will. God has a will. God has a, God has a plan. And he has a plan to conform you into the image of his son. God has an intention. And all of the things that happen in this world, all of the things that happen in your life, his will is to use all of those things and conform you into a person that looks like Jesus. Friends, he can bring dry bones to life. He can bring beauty out of ashes. He can turn evil into good. He can transform you into the image of Christ. How does he do that? He does that when you pray, not with the words of your mouth, but with the submission of your life, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And prayer is inviting the rule of God to reign in your life. 
So we're going to do that right now. We're going to pray. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to spend a moment humbling yourself before the God who is your Father and just simply confess those areas of your life that you've not yet submitted to the sovereignty, to the rule of God in your life, your relationships maybe, your finances, your sexuality, your hurts, habits, and hangups, whatever it is that you're still trying to hold on and it's continuing to mess up your life because he is not the ruler in those areas. To, to invite God to come, your kingdom come, your will be done, to rule and to reign in my life. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, you need to get this settled because God desires, it's his will for you to be his child. But until you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, friends, that's, that's the, only, the only prayer that God hears from an unbeliever is God, make me your child. And when you change your heart toward him, he changes his heart towards you. So maybe you need to pray about that this morning. Whatever God has placed on your heart, bow your heads for just a moment. If you'll pray, if you'll talk to him, and then I'll close in a prayer. Our God in heaven, we know that you are our Father, which says to us that you love us and that you desire good things for us. But we come to you humbly, submitting our kingdom to yours and asking for your rule and reign to operate in our lives, to align our hearts with the heart of the Father who loves us, to align our desires with the desire of our King, and to submit our will to the will of the one who works all things together for good. Speak to us, Father. Lead us, guide us. By your spirit, mold us into the image of your son who prayed, not my will be done, but yours, our Father in heaven. We thank you, Father, for that and for the privilege of coming to you and submitting ourselves to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.